in this bar and then caveat i just love their dialogue because it's all the typical like bar stuff except they're robots so it's roboticized versions of that there's a a a robot woman of question morals that tries to pick up on on machine man and uh he tells maybe maybe another time when my virus protectors are up to date. Um, <laughs> that's funny because you want to be where everybody knows you're one zero zero one one zero 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 one zero one zero one. Yeah, just the dial. I mean. Very introspective evening at the Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, Northwest's premier comic book podcast coming right at you from Bellingham, the introspective capital of the Northwest. Intropod. Intropod. Intrepid podcast explorations. Intrepod. Intrapod, yeah. Wow. What you said. Django just farted. He just fucking farted all over my vibe. All over my vibrator. Django just... (laughs) <laughs> oh man as long as, oh, as, long as it doesn't burst in you oh god <laughs> where every Wednesday we come up here and we have a really thoughtful exploration of our thoughts and feelings about the illustrated sequential fiction that came out that week sometimes feeling like it's just for us sometimes putting us in that spot where we're able to communicate not only with ourselves but for the higher beings and the lower beings I'm Jeff and I I really want to just sort of open myself up to all you listeners and just sort of become one with you. <laughs> Django is still wiping off poop from my vibe. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking anal things. Oh, darn it, you boys. I'm trying to establish a vibe here. I'm Django. So I. And I just opened myself up. <laughs> <laughs> Django is very pleased with himself. <laughs> <laughs> the, you are. I, that I was a more red <laughs> face than I've seen from you in a very long time. I got lightheaded when I thought of that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Roman. Um, I'm, I'm open. Let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm Roman, and I'm always here to clean up your fucking mess, boys. <laughs> I'm in an open relationship with myself. <laughs> it's very complicated. <laughs> um... Listen, we're going to be talking about some books this week, and last week's voicemail did highlight the fact that we spoil books. We spoil them. We spoil the piss out of them. So we are going to spoil books. If that's a thing that bothers you, really do. Stop the podcast, read those books, come back, or um, just come along on this sort of vulnerable journey as we sidestep the landmines of surprises that this, uh, this beautiful art form gives us every week. This week we're going to talk about Pearl number one. Anal beads. Anal, <laughs> anal pearls. <laughs> explicit. This is an explicit <laughs> podcast. If you're here for if you're here for upright behavior, that's not us. We're, we love the respectable folks, but we're not them. Dick and butt jokes, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, in addition to Pearl number one, we're going to talk about Spider Geddon. The Edge of Spider Geddon number one. Crowded. Number one, Ice Cream Man, number finger, 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 thumb, thumb, six. (laughs) Uh, Gideon Falls, also number six. And The Magic Order, number three. That was good. 
hey, how are we going to recover from that? Well, listen, we struggled for a long time <clears throat> to find an intro, and all it really took was just sort of starting a podcast before everybody laughed harder than they'd laughed all night. So, <laughs> What episode number are we on? Which 95. 95. Roman, thank you so much for keeping us in order. So Pearl is done by Brian Bendis and Michael Gatos, and this is the first book from the Jinx World imprint at DC Comics. Jenga pointed out to me last night that there is no DC marking anywhere on the front of this book or the, or the back, back, which yeah. is an impressive step for them to take because they're pretty self-serving. The only way you would know is if, like, the the mature readers number one by the barcode looks a little bit like some other DC books. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an impressive amount of clout I think that yeah. uh, Brian Michael Bendis has. I didn't know this was a DC book. So Django texted me last night, said he really liked this, and I had read it, and I was like, I'm not sure that I got it. You are in charge of telling me tomorrow that I liked this. And then he did that today, and I agree with him. What's the deal with this book? Uh, so it follows a couple of tattoo artists for rival gangs, and it's just a, it's like just a little bit of setup uh, in the story, and... I don't know. It just it it compelled me. I liked it. I enjoyed reading it. I liked the words, and I liked the good guys and the bad guys. All seemed well. The good guys seemed a little gray, and the bad guys seemed fucking bad. And you did a good job of like getting a lot out of this book that I didn't quite get on my first read through. Roman, what did you think of this? <clears throat> I did not care for it. Oh, um, what didn't you care for about it? I like this dichotomy. I hated, I like I hated the, the first page. Okay, right. So actually, <laughs> we had spider. a goof. Roman or Jenga, you would have appreciated it. He opened this book up and he was like, "Oh, it's a spider." And he threw it down, and then like two or three different times, I just opened the book and left it there, and then listened to yeah, him as so he got put, pulling files. So every time I turn around, it's open again. There's that damn spider. It was pretty cute. I think I ex- I, I exclaimed. That's not how you sell a comic to Roman. <laughs> oh, no. He said, no, it was actually better than that. He's was like, it? oh, it's a spider. That's not how you sell a fucking comic, was how what he said. It was it was way more, like, I've never heard him be that, like, judgmental of a thing right out of the gate. I also don't like spiders. I was scared. I was scared and, and That's not how you sell a fucking angry. comic book. <laughs> Turns out it's a tattoo. It's just a really good tattoo, and um, yeah, that's apparently the, the point of this tattoo is that it was apparently done by somebody who does the best tattoos in the world. Yeah, and this other guy that sees the tattoo, this guy that sees the tattoo, he's a tattoo artist apparently, and also, uh, I was confused on this point. Is he a crime guy? Does he work for crime guys? Is he a crime lord? I had to what? explain my understanding of it to Django this morning, and then he he told me what. Yeah, what it I, actually did, I didn't was. follow this. I didn't. Appreciate the changes in coloring or art style, which apparently represented flashbacks. Or that something. was abrasive to me. Also. I didn't know what the hell's going on here. So that was not a flashback. List. That was the action, and the way I read that. But was... this was a flashback. <clears throat> oh yeah, the black and white change. part. But the, where it turns green okay, and one. red, that was happening in in my mind. Everything went crazy colors because she was under such intense pressure. Like that. That's a big crazy thing to happen, and so she wasn't. She wasn't perceiving it like you would having noodles. My guess is that as we go, we'll see they're going to use the color palette for each location to be kind of indicative of that location every time you see it. Because, like, when they're eating noodles or eating French fries, it's all green light, so they're under, like, fluorescence outside. And then at at her house, she's got real warm light. Mm -hmm. Will you sell the listeners on this book? It's Bendis doing uh, crime. Like, it, it's got cool art, Bendis, crime, five issues, 
Is it a mini? Like a little I think five so, issue? Yeah. Thing? Pretty sure it's a five issue book. Because this is the same creative team that did Alias that yeah. Jessica Jones was created in. Did you guys catch the end of this where he sh- he gives us his the only Batman story he's written other than the Walmart comic? That was comic? my favorite thing in the comic. And guess who didn't I read re- it? I really like that. Jeff doesn't like back matter. Uh, did you, uh, Chris Roman? Cl- Chris Clow needs to read this because his favorite movie is Citizen Kane. I Has bet it? that Chris Clow's already read this. Read that Batman story because it was originally published in something. Batman Chronicles issue twenty one. Oh, okay. Chris Clow seems like a guy who's yeah. Yeah. So spoilers for Citizen Kane. Spoilers. Spoilers. uh, Rosebud is a sled. I don't feel comfortable spoiling that. Oh, well, I didn't say anything. I just. But yes, it is. I don't even know (laughs) what all of that could mean, um, but I do know the the twist of Citizen Kane. Good movie. Is it? Isn't that amazing? When I first saw it, I didn't know the twist. I saw it on our little TV. Got to the end, and I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, my favorite thing in the in the Pearl story was when his buddies, when they see her tattoo, and then they're just like, and it's a fucking spider. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. Oh, it is just a fucking spider. <laughs> that was my favorite part. I would give this a seven and a half, verging on an eight. I'd give I, it a seven. Like it a lot. What do you give it, Roman? I feel bad because you guys liked it so much. I gave, I gave a, Superman a four last week. Well, so. I'll, I was going to give this a four. Yeah. I mm-hmm. don't know if I'm going to read the next one. Well, it's only five yeah. issues. Well, also, <laughs> they're that, all going to be five issues of something else I liked better that I can read. Yeah. <laughs> you guys remember in the olden days when we... Uh, Is this a spider segue? Because that's set up to be a spider segue. Oh, I was just going to say I liked it when we and gave things... I think this was a Justin thing. Olden spider days. Like... We gave it a rating out of 10 somethings for each book. Oh, yeah. That was fun. I'll I'll give it four pearls. I'm going to give it seven and a half spiders. I will give it four (laughs) pearl necklaces for Bruce Wayne to find broken in Crime Alley and keep collected for eternity for Catwoman to eventually steal. I'm so immature. I was thinking dirty pearl necklaces. Well, yeah, they were in the alley. Duh. Spider Geddon. <laughs> this one's not. Uh, this one's not a wrist <clears throat> tattoo. Edge of Spider Geddon. Um, this one is written by Jed McKay, pencils and inks by Gerardo Sandoval, colors by Brian Reber. This is the first of the five uh, Edge of Spider Geddon uh, mini issues coming out before Spider Geddon comes out, following the same format that Edge of Spider Verse followed before Spider Verse came out about three years ago. Yeah, and Venom Verse and Edge of Yeah, that one also sort of was all ref- referential to the Spider Verse one. Uh, the issue two of that famously had the introduction of Spider Gwen. This, I think, issue five was maybe the one that had this punk rock Spider Man in it. Uh, what'd you guys think of this? I liked it. Yeah, it was fun. And it was clever. And the villain, Kang, the conglomerate, conglomerate, I can't even say it, conglomerator. <laughs> and the, the way they introduced the Hulk, and you think it's uh, Robbie, what's, who's Spidey's buddy, Robbie? Robbie Robertson? Yeah. Mm. Joe yeah. Robertson's son? Yeah. yeah. Not the, not the uh, bass player from the band. Oh, uh, no. Different Robbie Robertson. But you think it's going to be Robbie Robertson, and it turns out that it's uh, Bruce Banner. Right. Yeah. Right? Or did I miss? Did I? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I. Yeah, it's Robert Bruce Banner. Yeah. Okay. I found the issue pretty hard to track, actually, as I was reading it. Hmm. Robert Bruce Banner, you beautiful atom bomb. Yeah. I really liked uh, the art in it. I think that's like my favorite Sandoval art. He usually draws like really <clears throat> muscular, angular, ex- over exaggerated things, and he. I think he toned that back a little bit in this one, and I think the art looked really good and, and was real nice. I wonder if this version of Kang has shown up. 
because he references 2099. Yeah. So he's first up in Spider-Man or one of the other 2099 titles. When I read that, I thought, man, what if... So let's say that time travel is possible, right? And in the Marvel Universe, obviously it is. What if all those guys didn't... Like, all the, all the characters from now didn't know that you probably shouldn't jump to 2099. <laughs> That's a bad year. But they keep fucking it up and going there anyway. You know, like... I don't know. I, these comics have ruined the number 2099 for me. <laughs> it's true, unfortunately. There is a picture of two Spider-Man face-to-face, and it looks just like the cover to, like, a bunch of 90s Spider-Man. It looks like McFarlane, Larson stuff. Yeah, there's a really nice silhouetted shot of him scooting through buildings here. Uh, really harkens back to a lot of the stuff that I like about the 90s Spider-Man art. Yeah, I, I mean, I liked reading it. I just, I was sort of like, what is this Captain America person? Who are they? Am I going to see them again? Are they not seeing them again? Wait. Yeah. Well, apparently on this on this Spider-Man's world, um, if I remember the recap right, Norman Osborn becomes president of the United States, and he's basically Trump, and this Spider-Man defeats him. I forget how, but takes him out. He's no longer president. <clears throat> and, but in the process, there was kind of these, this is Captain Anarchy, which Kane points out is that's a contradiction because he's a flag he's a flag flag waving anarchist <laughs> <laughs> who has a rank. Can you have a yeah. rank in an anarchic system? Yeah. There's just a lot of little clever bits like that, clever bits of dialogue. Yeah, and the, um, like the the title here, the Anarchic Spider-Man logo on the inside is uh, looks like Sex Pistols cover. Oh yeah, Anarchy in the UK. Yeah, I can't remember. I I give this a seven and a half. I. Sure didn't expect to like it, but I liked it a lot. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 6.5. I really liked the art, and it, was, it wasn't bad. I just uh, for sure was having a, a little bit hard time putting everything in spots. I read my comics right this week, which is to sort of start with the ones that I'm least excited about and let it build, which I <clears> haven't <throat> done the last couple of weeks. So this was book number, like, two yeah. or something for me. This so is the first book I read. I was still getting started with my reading vibe and trying to put stuff in the right spot. Can I revise mine? Yeah. Seven and a half broken spider eyes. Nice. Because I really like those. I give it, yeah, uh, six and a half perfect spider eyes. Oh. Perfect. Perfectly drawn spider eyes. I'll give it... How many spider eyes do you give it? I wasn't going to use spider eyes. I was going to give it seven uh, studded neck chokers. Oh. Which is also how many studded neck chokers Roman has. (laughs) Monday... Tuesday. <laughs> and they're this, all different colors, too. And this one's for my birthday. Oh, that's just that one special eighth one that you have. It's the eighth tie-dye. wonder of the choker world. <laughs> choker world. The spikes turn inward. Like penance. Is that like the <laughs> Da Vinci Code? Uh, same word, but uh, penance <laughs> is who Speedball turned into after he blew up all the kids, which sparked Civil, Civil War. War. So he put himself in basically like an Iron Maiden. So every time he had any impact, he, his power would happen, and he'd bounce around inside of this spiky suit. Whoa. It was fucked. Yeah. That's super dark. It was, it was <laughs> like one of the most unsettling, dark Marvel books I've read. I think Paul Jenkins wrote the Dang. spinoff about him. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was like a, it felt like a Hellblazer yeah. story set in a super. Yeah, he and then he cool, went back huh? to being normal. Robbie Baldwin somehow without being traumatized. <laughs> Dude was bummed. Yeah. Poor guy. We all make mistakes. That's what I'm learning. 
Everyone makes mistakes, so why can't you? Jenga sings if that. If everyone really in the whole wide world oh, makes fuck. mistakes, then why? You can usually stop. No fun. Oh. You. Oh. <laughs> that's the sound. That's the sound of Jenga's mic being <laughs> muted. <laughs> this is why I don't sing. <laughs> you mean yell? That's why you don't yell. <laughs> that was. There was tone. I love you. Uh, did you guys read Crowded by Christopher Sabella, Rose did. Stein, and Ted Brandt? I did read Crowded. I'm, I'm, the, the way that these books laid out are like actually the first three books I read this week. Oh. And I realized that I sound like a negative Nelly. But hey, there was things I loved this week. I didn't dislike this. I did not dislike this. Django, take me away. Crowded. I really like this. Yeah. This... I think this is my favorite book this week until I got to a couple others that we're going to talk about today. But uh, it's basically follows this woman who has a bunch of techie side hustles. So she crowdsources to walk dogs for a few bucks. She um, uses some crowdsourcing to get babysitter gigs. She uses an app to tutor people online. And she's a companion to an old man feeding the birds with him. Um, and what she doesn't realize is that at some point, someone has used a crowdsourcing, like a Kickstarter for hitmen. And uh, she has one of the largest bounties on her head that anyone's ever had. And so she's uh, trying to escape from hundreds of people. Like the whole city is after her because she's got millions of dollars on her head. And uh, so she hires a bodyguard who she meets at a cafe, and uh, the the story kind of takes off from there, and they're, like, trying to keep her safe, and she and this bodyguard are um, kind of at odds with each other. The main character's kind of a butthead, which is a little bit of a bummer, but, um, you know, I think that also fits with her not... She's kind of self-centered, and I think that she doesn't know why somebody wants her dead. And I think that, that uh, you know, if she was a nice person, my guess is we're going to find out that she just did something kind of careless to be to be targeted. Like yeah, this. assholes don't realize that they're assholes generally. Sometimes, yeah. I certainly don't. <laughs> I um, took my lunch money. Put that shit on the floor, asshole. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I liked the art quite a bit. I liked the story. I liked the world. I like... Um, I like the concept. The biggest thing I don't like is the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really the does. The B cover is really nice the more I look at it. Yeah, the B cover is mm. awesome. The A cover, it fits the world. The art just doesn't quite fit the uh, fit the vibe I got from the issue. Yeah. Um, like it, it looks more like a boom comic than an image comic. Um, but when you look at it and dissect it after having read it, she's being totally self-centered on the cover. Yep. And... Uh, being protected, uh, even though her bodyguard doesn't really like her. I really like no. the world that this took place in, and I particularly uh, liked the sort of ingenious usages. It seemed like our society eight years to ten years in the future. Mm-hmm. Just the people have found a really interesting way of using technology to get these side hustles to make money, and I thought that was really nice. I also really liked the art. Um, there were definitely moments that uh, some of like the background stuff reminded me of Frank Quitely. Um, just in terms of like how detailed and the way that the bodies were drawn and inked and, and 
which portions of things were uh, inked and used to provide context where, you know, everybody does that a little bit differently, but I, I almost feel like this prop, this person probably likes the quite stir. Um, but yeah, I did get real hung up. I, I, I get like chastised pretty frequently for not liking, uh, like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Um, I have a really hard time liking things where the protagonists are jerks and it's just because somebody, you know, having been bullied when you were young, you develop a real dislike for people that are jerks. And I don't want to read a book about the people that I work the hardest to try and not think about. There was something we read a, a couple of weeks ago that had kind of a dickhead for a yeah, and main I, character. Yeah, and, and I said the same, same kind thing. Of thing yeah. yeah, it's that's my own personal thing. So that's not the quality of this book. I think this is a pretty quality book, and I think that this protagonist is going to learn a lesson and overcome some stuff. But I don't need to watch that. Like I don't. I've <laughs> yeah. I, I've watched a lot of jerks just be jerks, and I've helped a lot of jerks not be jerks, and I've also been a jerk. And this is, I don't know. I don't like self-centered, egotistical people. And then. The person who's helping her, I forget her name, but she's pretty awesome. But it also, she's going to bed, she's like, don't become attached. And I feel like there's going to be a burgeoning romance between those two. And I don't really care about that. I like her house. I love the cutaway of her house. Yeah. When they're walking through. And ever since I Why did you just make a masturbatory gesture about that? Uh, Because I was masturbating at it. Because it turned me on. Is going to be mad at you. (laughs) I can't, you can't keep saying things like that. It, it, uh... I really like cutaways. I do too. I when really I was a do. kid, cutaways are fun. I thought you were just saying me. they were negative. No, no, no. I was saying that's really cool. I like okay. that a lot. There's a lot of ambiguity in your masturbatory gestures. Watch me cl- closely, Jeff. Oh, you're, it's in his eyes. Uh, so, how is it a decoy floor though? I didn't get that. Yeah, I didn't either. So it's a fake floor. Yeah, but so, they're walking through it. Well, it's so that if somebody breaks into the house. God damn it. Am I the gonna... dog is peeing on the floor there. Yeah. yeah. I didn't notice that. Am I going to be the masturbating right, guy now? And right above in every you, episode? Well, if you stop doing that gesture, uh, you won't be. <laughs> I did like that they incorporate sound effects into the explosions left and right. So like, Yeah, I like that. The will... oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh, it's all over. That they is all like the will, like the will Eisner, like the splash there, the coffee. Yep, right there. <gasps> That's sweet. Yeah, I like the art. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you, Jeff, though. I don't care about our main character. Thought she was really annoying. I also question, you know, when the defender person. That's one thing I love the most. The names for these different apps yeah. are hilarious. Like the old dude is through Pal Pal Rent. Um, but when the defender character asked her, "How do you do all this?" That's like thirteen jobs in a day. And I was like, "Yeah, what's? How could you possibly? That's that's insane. That's just annoying reading about it." So, so something I like about this, the premise of all these apps and being so connected, and you know, this this new type of existing and making money is all just through apps. That that I appreciated just in the fact that I said, oh, cool, this is like a background kind of thing in the RoboCop comic, but here they're exploring that whole thing that right. RoboCop doesn't really explore. Right. Mm. And the tech here is pretty cool. Like the there's a huge computer screen yeah. for the table at the diner. Yeah. That's and, pretty neat. And I, I would say that like great oh, world building. Really wow. fantastic yeah. world building. Yeah. Well, uh, sounds like I'm going to be keeping up on this and letting you guys know what happens. Yeah. Yeah, What's I would give this uh, eight, eight cutaway buildings. Ooh. God, I used to have a gnomes book that had a cutaway of their houses. Oh, their little underground gnome homes. <laughs> That's why I like cutaways. Uh, I give it book. seven judgmental feelings about judgmental people. <laughs>
I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it. I'll give it six psychological judgmental cutaways. Oh. Man, I just gave that an eight, and looking at what else we're going to talk about here, I can't say that was that was not my highest ranked comic this week. You can't say that was you, that is your highest ranked comic. No, I said it. I said it was. And then you're looking at these next three I'm books. Looking at these next, the next two for sure. I read these next three books in in order. I this is this is the order with which I read the next three books. Yeah, and that's an intense order, buddy. Yeah, uh, it was a magic order, but that's not the next one. So that was a bad. That was a bad segue. Um, but it was smooth like ice cream. Ooh, like ice cream that could go. Uh, you could eat after <laughs> Neapolitan. Yeah, Neapolitan ice cream. <laughs> um, ice cream man number six, written by Maxwell W. Maxwell Prince, art by Martin Morasso, colors cream, by man. Chris O'Halloran. Um, this I stopped two or three pages in and tweeted at the artist uh, how wonderful it is to be seeing as much of his art as we have been because he also does the art in She Could Fly, and he inks his own art, really? and I was totally stunned. At how much I love it. And not only that, what really made me stop is that third page where he's walking down the city. And it's just great perspective. Mm -hmm. Everything about that is great. He is a totally accomplished, fantastic comic book artist that is not doing much and hasn't been doing much. He responded to my tweet. He, you know, he's mentioned it's been a, just a really crazy year for him. And this book, I absolutely adored. We've got just some ambiguous person going up to the ice cream man at the ice cream truck and he holds three fingers up and the ice cream man holds three fingers up and he gets his ice cream cone of chocolate vanilla and strawberry and he begins walking away and as soon as he starts walking away we get a shot of him walking away again another full page shot but it's divided vertically as a neapolitan thing so on the left it's pink in the middle it's yellow and on the brown it's kind of or right it's kind of brown and then for the rest of the book each page um both pages are a double page spread and it is divided horizontally between a pink, yellow, and brown story going on. And it is all basically a parallel story of him that starts with him walking home with this ice cream cone. And on like on that initial page, he goes in three different directions. Yeah. Right? He goes straight left oh, and right. Oh, I didn't right. even notice that. So each one of these follows him. Everything depends on that one divergence that he has there. Wow. I didn't even realize that moment. I just sort of thought that there are three moments, there are three types of life. There are three aspects of life. Three, which he ordered three different yeah. scoops in the beginning. I didn't catch that until tonight. Um, so I'm going to do the pink life. <laughs> in the pink life, he starts walking, he bumps into a girl, and he spills his ice cream cone, and they look at each other, and there's just this sort of immediate click in their eyes. There's no text in this issue. Immediate click in their eyes, and the next shot is them going out to dinner, and they're sort of bashful with each other, and he walks her home, and he's got a sort of pull in his collar thing. It cuts to a uh, full-page shot of them making whoopee in a bed, and then it goes to their wedding, and they're walking, and she's pregnant, and then the baby is born, and he looks down at the baby in the crib, and the baby holds up three fingers, which is kind of terrifying, <laughs> and they go to the park. And they're flying around, and then they're hanging out in the bed, and they get their baby monitor starts crying, and they go into the room, and the baby is leaking all this black fluid from its nose and eyes and mouth. Like a symbiote. And then a symbiote. <laughs> and then they go to the hospital, and they're crying, and something horrible is happening, and she screams no. So there's a couple background effects. 
text, um, then it's pretty clear that the baby has died and the wife is just almost catatonic on the couch and he's trying to console her and she's got these dead, vacant eyes and he sits there and she's just not moving at all. Months pass. He brings flowers home to her and she's just passed out, drunk on the couch with a picture of the baby. And then he grabs the bottle of alcohol, puts a blanket over her, and he sits down in the living room in a chair and starts drinking the liquor himself and stares at the picture of the baby. Django, tell me about that vanilla life. Well, he runs into a dog because he went straight instead of turning. No, this is the wrong left. story for Django yeah, to be no, telling. Roman. Django hates dogs. <laughs> Roman. Roman, will you do vanilla? I, I, I will. I will. I'll try. I don't know. Vanilla, geez. Um, and this one worried me, too, because I was like, oh, it's a, it's a puppy. That something horrible is going to happen to the puppy. And as you're reading this, it's all happening simultaneously because all three of these color narratives are happening simultaneously yeah, top, on the page. Should we just the tell page. these simultaneously? We've already gone this far. <laughs> <laughs> all three of us at the same time. That yeah, was yeah, funnier. I didn't yeah, get that yeah. when you said it. <laughs> <laughs> so he's we walking could. along on whatever pat turn he took there and he hears a little dog who's got a broken leg in the grass and he drops his ice cream cone to rest to rescue the doggy takes the dog to the vet adopts the dog he's happy this is his new companion um shows them their life together blah 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 the dog's growing up the dog's name is triptych that you see on his collar which i thought that was great you know because it's three yeah, threes there's a three here in every story um Eventually, one day, walking the dog through the park, he sees a lost dog uh, poster, and it's the numbers five five, just like on TV shows. Five five, always, five 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 five. Yeah, because yeah. that's never a real number. Um, and he realizes that the, he has somebody else's dog, so he does the right thing and takes the. Oh, actually, no, he doesn't do the right thing. You think he's going to, but then he takes off with him and the dog, and they go off to some <laughs> cabin in the woods, I guess, so he can hide out with the dog. Um, and that's kind of, kind of, and I can't continue because that, that final thing with the clocks, that's where everything converges. Kind yeah, of. when I said months later, there's a whole page where all three narratives have a clock on it that look the same, but on the first one, months oh, pass. Right. On this one, years pass. Okay, 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 okay. And yeah, years pass in this one. They're old, they're both older. He's got a beard and everything. They're still living there, just hiding out. Um, dog gets older and older. He gets older and older. And then we go to the most bizarre, the brown segment. So the vanilla one does sort of end with him on this porch with this dog that's clearly aging in the beginning. He, like, feeds it bacon mm -hmm. and jumps up to eat the bacon. But then years later, they're in the, the cabin, and the dog can't jump anymore, but he's still feeding him bacon. And then he's just sort of sitting on this porch with this dog that's super old. And on the other one, he walks home, and the the final scoop of ice cream has bugs in it and he spits it out and he gets inside and he's gonna make himself eggs but this horrible little bird monster starts coming out of the eggs instead and he so he takes the bird monster to the uh, animal shelter and goes to the ATM and the ATM instead of giving him money or giving him his normal screen says there's something awful inside you and he's walking home, and this, like, as he's walking home, it's the same, those three panels for the different colors, that scene is all happening on the same pathway. And the new, the, the couple with the new baby 
are walking past, I think, one of the characters from the first couple of issues who's strung out on heroin. Oh, yeah. Oh, when he's got yeah. the dog, he's walking past the Buddy Holly and character second, playing. Oh, my God. And then oh, the right. cowboy. Yeah. And the cowboy's on the bottom. I only saw Django, the, yeah, nice, nice one. I only saw the cowboy. And just, I only saw the cowboy. Just before he gets home, some somebody abducts him, and he wakes up, and it's a person wearing the mask of the bird that he dropped off, and he's tied up to a chair, and they stab him in the leg... And then they leave, and there's this great shot of, from from the back of him and the bird person, like, leaning back in the door and kind of, later, alligator, like, waving. And it's it's really effective at being creepy mm-hmm. and kind of upbeat at the same time. And then days later, he's still sitting there with the, uh, with the knife in his leg, and his chest cracks open just a little bit, like, just like an extra nipple way above his nipple over his heart. And uh, another bird hatches out of it, and the ice cream man has birthed this bird. And so it, it all converges on the, the one page where, and, and the only words on in most of the book mm-hmm. are one way or another, dot, dot, dot. And in Jeff's story, he's sitting there drinking, looking at his dead child who was vomiting black goo, on Roman's page, he's sitting there petting his old dog that he stole from whoever lost their dog and ran off to a cabin to live with. And in the chocolate one, he's tied to a chair and bleeding and just had a baby bird come out of his chest. So, like, that's a weird issue. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. I don't under I don't know what one way or another is referring to. So I got halfway through it, and I was like, oh... And then that text confirmed what my suspicion was, which is just that it doesn't really matter which way you go or it doesn't really matter what your life circumstances are. Like, to me, it was very zen meditative. Like, don't think so much about it. Don't worry so much about it because it's all just going to happen and you're going to end up at the uh, at the end of it one way or another. Like, it's going to... no matter if it, it doesn't matter if you're on the good path, bad stuff still happens. If you're on the bad stuff good stuff can happen. If you're on a neutral life, you're still doing something wrong or doing something positive. And then just to have the only like actual text bubble on this issue be this final shot of him sitting alone and have it say one way or another, dot, 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 is just, to me, was just this incredibly contemplative, a re- like really amazing meditational message like I that was like unnerving and kind of horrific. And I loved it. Like I give this issue ten Neapolitan scoops of ice cream. It was, it was, it was a ten for me. It made me think. It made me feel. That scene where the wife is just drunk and passed out around the baby, and he puts the blanket over her, made me want to see Sam so bad. I was like, I need to see my girlfriend bad. It, yeah. And then the scene of like the dog. And he gives him bacon and he can't, the dog can't really get up to eat anymore. It was just this like type of sadness that was even though he was getting what he wanted, he was, there's still this like attachment to other things causes loss, which causes aloneness. Like it was a meditation about attachment to me. It was, and then, and then I just almost like the chocolate narrative on the bottom was just sort of like, and there's also just like buck wild crazy shit that happened. Like it. Well, so that's kind of like this issue kind of encapsulates what the whole series has been so far, which is mismatched horror stories with 
basically just uh, slice of life stuff. Rod Sterling dressed up in a, an ice cream man costume, telling you that this is the Twilight Zone. Like every one of these issues has had a different horror genre as the basis for the storytelling. And as you're reading these stories, like each one of those is a different type of story that's happening. I'm also just realizing that if you look at the pages, they always alternate when a panel is boxed in or when it's not in a box. Oh, yeah. So there's this weird checkerboard thing happening on all the pages. Mm-hmm. I guess not every single one because there's a couple that have two alternating but the middle ones always lined up. But there's just... It's... It was really, really effective to me. Um, and it wasn't just effective in a positive way but it, it had just some some... Some really, I think, complex feelings and thoughts about life in it. So I give it, I give it a ten. This is what comic, book, even though it's not super pleasant, this is what the you know the type of comic book feeling I like to really get. I'm right there with you. Ten scoops. Ten scoops. How many scoops for you, Roman? I'll give it an eight and a half. Eight and a half scoops. Yeah. What would you have given it if we hadn't given it a ten first? Probably an eight and a half. Okay, I think so. That's what I was thinking earlier. It's yeah. It, this is how you make a comic, or it's for me one yeah. way to make a comic. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gideon Falls number six, the end of the first book of what is definitely one of my two favorite horror books coming out in comic oh, wow. books. What's your other? Um, Infidel, which is done, oh, okay. and I didn't read the last issue of, so I'm still <gasps> pretty excited to read the last issue of that. But in terms of like being creepy and also being uh, intellectually and emotionally rewarding to read. These these are the two. This is some of the finest comic booking I've seen yeah. on top of a really uncanny... Can I say that I don't think there's anything as evil as the Catholic Church on this podcast? Sure. Sure. I read this issue <laughs> right after reading, you know, whatever stat was released yesterday about the 300 Catholic priests priest. in Pennsylvania or whatever, what? like, yeah. that the Catholic Church has actively covered up. Really? After, and I, you know, reading that after watching that the, the keepers documentary about, you know, in Baltimore. So if we have any Catholic listeners, I'm sorry, but whoa, man, an organization, <laughs> an, an organization that is doing that many negative, bad things is very scary. So this has got about a, a path, Catholic priest who is sent by the Archduke or whatever. Um, to a city, the Archdiocese. Archduke Ferdinand. Not only are you bigoted, Jeff, but you're ignorant. I want to hear Roman finish Duke of Earl. Duke, Duke, Duke of Earl, Earl, Earl. Never heard of this. What? That's a classic doo-wop song. That's the song that the girl sings in The Man with Two Brains when she takes off her shirt. It was the first time I saw boobs on TV. Titanic? (laughs) And my brother and I both saw it. And whenever we wanted to, like say something kind of dirty around our parents, we would say, Duke, 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 Duke of Earl, Earl, Earl. God, I want to see that movie again now. I don't remember that scene. It, yeah, I, that's, that's like the only, I guess I, I remember that I watched it in like Florida or Alabama. And I was like, whoa, I'm not supposed to be watching this, but I'm going to keep watching this. I was probably nine or 10. Yeah. I don't even know who did that song. The name of the band, Steve Martin. Um, no. What do we What do we know band. about this book? <laughs> it's nothing like the Duke of it's Earl. It's spooky. 
This is a very spooky book. A Catholic uh, priest, <clears throat> he's been... worse than a spider tattoo. He basically, he goes into the black barn that's been being sort of teased and showing up, and uh, he went into the end, at the end of the last issue, mm-hmm. the, the priest does, to try and track down this person who shot the police officer that we've been hanging out with. Uh, oh, does he go into, in, I thought he went in to find her. Or does he go in to get ready? No, the... the character the, ready? The... Oh, may, I forget the characters' names, but he goes in because the girl and that guy had both run off, and I think we hear something, we hear a gunshot, and so then he runs into the barn after them. Yeah, Clara and Reddy went in, and he go, he chases after them. So this largely takes place in the black barn with a really Django. I'm I love that you dug this issue because this is a pretty like dream psychedelic issue it and is. we both have sort of love-hate relationships with that this is this did, is did you notice that that panel is from the last issue mm. like no. that's oh yeah i did to go down yeah. yeah yeah um yeah i i i don't usually like this kind of thing but the the way that they were and every every time sorrentino has done something trippy like this in this book i have really enjoyed it and i think that maybe my dislike for trippy dream sequences stems from um, artists that aren't Sorrentino, I guess, because this is this is not only you know what it is. This anchors you in time, even though you're in this weird dream space. You're anchored in time, and you're following the panels through time, even when they fuck up the panels and rearrange them, and it's not right. Like when when she gets shot, you still have a sense of. This is a solid place where time is wrong. Yeah. And when like there's there's a panel where he falls out of the previous panel and falls down to the next page and when you turn to the next page like it's it gives you a shift of perspective so instead of seeing him falling kind of from 3 quarters above you're seeing him falling straight at you and then he's on the next page it's just it's just Masterful. There's that. It's absolutely masterful. And when was the last time you saw 57 panels on a page that worked as well (laughs) as this 57 panel page works? Eat your heart out. Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, a lot of little (laughs) panels. And in this 57 panel page, it's like three different like linear moments, but two of them are the same thing but one's being told forward and one's being told backwards mm-hmm. so everything kind of comes together in the middle and it's as this guy shoots the girl and then he like jumps into the shooter and then he meets Jesus and and he says where am I and Jesus on the cross says in the black barn where the fuck do you think you are yeah like it's it is so out there also in the black barn is the first time I feel like Andrea Sorrentino has done not super dark art. Like, there's no shadows in it. Oh. So it's the, if you look at all those faces, it's like the only time we've ever seen him draw faces. Yeah. And it almost looks kind of Quietly-esque again. He's usually um, drawing the shadows of faces and yeah, on faces. But, like, these faces here, like, almost, and have, like, an Ian Bertram look to, like, House yeah. of Penance. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's He's very good at drawing faces and bodies. He just doesn't seem to do it that much because it's usually shrouded in darkness. Wow. Yeah, even when they're in the brightly lit hospital, there's a lot of shadows yeah. on the people. Yeah, man, this is... 
I don't know. That's not even all of the panels that really got me. Like I sent you the picture of uh, the psychologist and the the guy who we thought was schizophrenic, but is probably totally sane, um, standing in front of the remnants of the black barn, like the foundation of the black barn in the middle of the city. And I was confused by the angle because their shadows are casting what you think is their bodies. But their their bodies are casting shadows that you think are their bodies. It's it's just a like a straight up straight above shot. I've never I've never been impressed with art every single time I turn the page, like I was with this issue. Yeah. And the last issue as well. Yeah. And that like, like it makes me want to go back and kind of dissect the previous issues. Because yeah. I'll bet that there's a lot like I don't think that this is sudden. I think maybe we just are starting to kind of respect the the story and the the way that it's being told a little bit differently. Yeah. Uh, and the arch the you know after this sort of happens and he gets the girl that was shot, he sort of rescues he rescues her out of here. And her father, who is the guy with the big beard uh, that we met in the last issue, the one before that, presumably saves her. And now she's decided that she needs to go find her brother and. The, he, the priest calls the archdiocese, and they basically tell him, like, yep, you are right where you need to be. And it seems like the archdiocese knows about this black barn. Roman, what are your thoughts on all this? Uh, this is an amazing, I mean, it's an amazing series, but this issue particularly, is, it's amazing. I mean, as you said, I mean, they he does stuff in here that I've never seen done in a comic book. Yeah, you're totally, you're totally right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not this way. I mean, there's been other comics that have had people fall out of panels and off pages. Yeah, but, but this is better like, than that. Yeah, yeah, these perspectives, the shifting perspectives. And it like it builds on the previous issue where we yeah. had a page, and then you turn it and you get a page that continues down off the top of it. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. They this panel shift is the same thing, but it's... It's doing it in a different way. It's like he's got a spreadsheet of all the fuckery you can do with panels, and he's just checking off boxes. Yeah, and it continues visual motifs. I mean, you see that from the last issue that Jeff pointed out, but then that guy falling. But then when the priest falls into whoever he falls into, he's almost in the same position. position. Holy shit, Roman. Yeah, as, as the guy in the previous issue. It's, it's astounding. As I finished this, I was like, I can't wait for this to be a paperback because this is going to be my, like, for the last while, Witches has been my kind of, like, go-to, one-and-done paperback that you can sell to somebody that's a horror book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This will absolutely, like, if you want something scary, this is the book for you because it's also going to make you appreciate and sort of redefine your perspective on what comics do and what they can do. Yeah. And, and not only is, among, amongst all this visual innovation, you still get a, a little character development with the priest. I mean, you see a secret from his past that we haven't had a glimpse of before. Remind me what that was, because it actually reminds me of a scene from Magic Order. Well, he, he, after he falls kind of between panels or to the different page, all, all of a sudden he's back in a in a room. Apparently he had a love affair um, with, and with a woman that maybe this is why he got chased out of his previous church. You think church? he killed her? Well, maybe he did, or maybe he got her pregnant. I mean, there's mm-hmm. blood on the, her blanket above her belly, kind of. We don't know if that's a wound or represents an abortion. Oh. don't know. I, God. It's, it's, it's really, so really good. good. I will also give this issue a 10. It's, it's really incredible. And I also want to just take a, a, a moment and sidestep. I was making some goose about the Catholic Church right there. 
people are evil. The Catholic Church as an organization means well and does lots of good things. People are bad, Pe- so that's yeah, people, it's not that organization. So I was I was goofing there, but I do need to clarify that. People abuse systems, and yeah, exactly. That's a huge system with plenty of avenues for abuse. Yep. Sorry. So that's so that's also what put I, better people in charge of your fucking system. I'm gonna give it a ten. I would maybe even give it a ten above Ice Cream Man. Yeah. Just they're both really really good examples of how to make a comic book exercise. And for sure. I, I kind of wonder. I think Ice Cream Man, you could hand somebody, they'd read it, they'd get it. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could hand an issue of Gideon Falls, like this issue of Gideon Falls to someone, and if they weren't adept at reading comics, if this would inspire them or just make them say, I'm never reading another comic again because well, it's too hard. this issue, probably not, because unlike Ice Cream Man, this is a linear narrative. So this would right. drop you in the middle of a thing, whereas Ice Cream Man, any issue could be the first. Um but reading, if, you, if you're if you talking about, like, the paperback of Gideon Falls versus the paperback of Ice Cream Man, that is a good question. I guess I just mean, like, the, the it's, panel layout. Here. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because when you show, I love showing people who have never seen J.H. Williams III's art in the store. And it mm-hmm. always impresses people to the point where they're very happy to buy it and try and experience that. I, I do think that people recognize when a thing is being done very uniquely. Yeah. And this is very uniquely. Uh, it might be hard to follow, but we're pretty adept at reading comics. It's relatively hard to follow for us. I mean, like yeah. it doesn't all make sense. So, uh, no disrespect to any people. It it, it is, but I, I think anybody could read it. And and not only that, I think it's a selling point for it. I think yeah. that yeah. Roman, how many spiders do you give this one? I'm not even gonna dignify spiders by mentioning them but I just did um, so I'll give magic it, order number three <laughs> I'll give it no I was, I'm gonna give it ten, ten boards from the black barn ooh, ooh you creepy son creepy, of a bitch creepy creepy man Veronica got him here is not my gonna be happy about this, losing any of her boards <laughs> um, so we've got a, a moment to share so even with two number tens just mentioned uh there was a book that I enjoyed more than those previous two books this week, and it was The Magic Order wow. number three. Madness! Yeah. Mark Millar and Olivier Quipel, Oliver, Olivier, I'm not sure. Uh, colorist Dave Stewart, of course. Did you just say Quipel? Qu- oh, Olivier Quipel. That was my Justin impersonation, just the way that my face looked. So that was not for anybody but Justin, Django, and Roman. This book is very good. It is... Oh, gosh. To, like, pitch it disrespectfully, it's like a really adult version of Harry Potter. It captivates me in the way that Harry Potter did when I was young. It is a well-built world in the way that Harry Potter is. It is advanced. I I don't really like fantasy that much. I've talked about that a lot. Magic doesn't really interest me. But there's something about Harry Potter and this that really does... I love, and there's a depraved darkness to this book that is equal parts disturbing, but like a little sexual as well, because my, you know, that, that sexual closet we all have is, there's scary stuff in there, you know? Um, so, you know, this issue, I guess, I guess to sort of pitch the series, we've got a family of magicians, there's a dad, he's fairly accomplished, he has three kids, two of them are still in the family doing magic stuff, one of them has a, had a wand, was a magician, got married, had a child, spoilers, what we, 
what we learn in this issue, I'm not going to spoil it because Roman actually hasn't read it yet, and it is a joy to read this book. Um, but something bad happened with the, the son who has withdrawn from the family. And you learn a little bit about that here, and it's very effective, and it's told in a very effective, minimal comic book way. And there is a bad order of wizards or a bad order of magic people and they are hunting down all the good folks and particularly this family and they have an assassin who the character design I think is phenomenal I love Venetian garb I love like older Victorian European aesthetic like Bloodborne is a video game that I've been super into lately and it's of that same uh, visual aesthetic so I it, it's hitting a lot of like pretty subjective things for me, but the dad sort of returns to the son that's withdrawn from the family, tries to get him to come back into it. We flash into the bad stuff that's happened to him. We learn why he's not doing that. And then we go to this assassin who's this woman who was just like bondage geared out, like black leather latex mask. She's got this like butler. She's talking about how she's stealing this really, really powerful artifact. And then once she gets it, like, everyone told her that she's not supposed to have it because it's too powerful and she doesn't deserve it and she's not worthy. And what she decides is that she wants to get it and then just squander it. She wants to go to a normal job and just shit on the whole world of magic and all people and have to, like, struggle through life and show them that not only was I worthy of getting it, but fuck your way of life. Which and I I really like that contempt. But it goes. she has this butler and she wants to get off. So she says... Now, turning to something interesting before we, we kill the Moonstones, I want to fuck something legendary and really get my heart rate going. And then the person turns into a naked visage of her, and then she starts, then it starts, like, licking her neck. And it, like, that is dark, and I don't want to get into my narcissism, but it is, <laughs> it's, it's a weirdly hot scene that is very unnerving as well. And then we just have this... Wait, are, are your fans just a bunch of you? That's how I think. <laughs> Licking of them your all. neck. I think of them all. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we have just this awesome scene where the Moonstone father is going to give a show, and the assassin shows up, and there is an amazing wizard battle that sort of harkens back to Harry Potter, Order of the Phoenix. No, uh, Goblet of Fire, rather. And it's brutal and gorgeous, and I loved it. I it, it was. I have not felt while reading books in a week that I could just read four more issues of that series. Like, screw every other book this week. I just want more of this right now. Because when you're reading, like, here's our privilege speaking, when you're reading, like, 16 books a week, it's really easy to sort of <laughs> get the feeling of a book and then be like, okay, cool, what's the next one? Because hmm. uh, I need to have these done by tomorrow. And this was just one where I savored every page of it and I just wanted to read more of it. I'm, I love the world. The art is incredible. It... it uh, Koipel has done Marvel stuff. Um, it's not as good as this, I don't feel like. This has a better color and texture. There's more texture to all of it. When he does Marvel stuff, it's a little flatter. There's a lot yeah. of shading and cross-hatching stuff going on here that's very, very nice. The emotional punches are hard. Um, every little bit about the world is so cool. We just sort of zoom into the bad lady's lair and, you know, it's the Black Kingdom is where the renegades of the Magic Order retreated when Madame Albany walked out. It's rumored to be accessed through a crack in an asylum wall. Others say it sits in the shadow of a former church. Both of those are just such cool ideas. I was like, man, can you imagine having to go into asylum to get there? Or like, the shadows of a fallen church and like, what the implications of lurking in the shadows. Like, 
the shadows of a, a horrible thing. Of a religious the, debauchery. That double page spread where you meet her, or I think we've met her before. We have. Yeah. She's yeah. been in yeah. issues. But when we see her and her lair, that looks to me like uh, some Jay Lee, some of the Jay Lee's best work in yeah. the Dark Tower series. Tendrils, dark flat stuff. Yeah, just too many shadows and bad angles and bad, like, bad distances to be from all these evil things. Too close and too far. Yeah. And yeah. No, you're totally right. So, so I just talked a lot, so I just sort of dumped on everyone. So thanks for thanks for listening. But I I really like this this was this really got right into like my subjective love of a thing. Not in the way that it was like contemplative about life, like maybe Ice Cream Man was, but this is an awesome story that is compelling on a lot of different levels, and I just want I just want to gobble it all up. I want it all. I read it too. <laughs> and what did you think? It was pretty good. Yeah. And I dig that. Like, I I don't like fan. I don't know exactly what it is that, like, has really gotten me about this, but. Yeah, I I don't either. Yeah. It, it surprises me, surprised me yesterday, and it surprises me now that, that this is, uh, that this was such a touchstone for you this week. I don't have any, anything negative to say about it, but uh, it didn't, it didn't. Tickled me like it tickled yeah. you. Yeah, and I, I don't really understand the, the extent to which it tickled me. The, but the, I'm, I'm the imagination re- in this, though. Like, the guy feeding off the sexual energy of the two bums using this magical hookah, like... And the fact that, like, and he's like, could you sink any lower... So I, at first I was like, yeah, he's just feeding off of sexual energy. But then I looked, and he's like, off of hobos, and I look back, and they've got all these, like, heroin pockmarks. Mm-hmm. And you are, you're like, oh, God, like, this... In the same way that they're drug addicts, you could feed off of the sexual energy of things. You could feed off the sexual, and the lowest of that would be, you know, just drug addicts. Like, yeah, everything is just. It reminds me of jazz music, where he's just sort of saying a thing, and he's just planting seeds left and right. And he's like, "Well, maybe I'll come back to that one, or maybe I won't." And, and do we and know I how long that. it is? No, but I hope it just goes on. And that would be surprising. It is going to be a Netflix <clears throat> series, and mm-hmm. there are scenes in this. And I think I even complained a little bit about the first issue where I was just sort of like, I don't really want to watch this. And there are yeah. scenes in here that are incredibly cinematic. He sort of sinks out of a subway at one point, and oh, I could just so cool. see that scene in a TV show. And the the so the thing that you didn't want to spoil for Roman is mm-hmm. a very obvious allegory for things that happen in America every day. Yep, 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 right. yep, yep, for sure. Um, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I... I'm ready to score it. Me too. Me too. I, I I went on long enough. This is just issue three. I I think everyone should check this book out for just a sort of like dark fantasy rollick. This is it's it's kind of, it, it is like it's popcorny, but it's in a way that you know it's popcorny to me. Grown up popcorn comic. Yeah. 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 Exactly. What do you give it? Uh, I give it a ten plus. Yeah. Like I I I love it for this issue, but I also just love it for the series. But I'm not. My feelings are not hurt by. The fact that I don't think this book is for everybody, but I do think that it is my favorite Mark Millar in a long time, and the art is unbelievable. Well, we have a uh, probably have a voicemail. I love it. Uh, do you want to tell people how they can leave a voicemail while I try to dig it up? Absolutely. So last week we had a, a voicemail, but it was actually in the form of a recorded audio file that they emailed us. So you can always do that. You can record it on your phone. You can record it uh, into a mic on a computer. And you could export that audio file. And you could email it to us at info at I-N-F-O at the comicsplace.com. 
So that was awesome. That works really well for sound bites. Um, you can also call us and leave a voicemail. It's one six one nine six six three seven three three six. You do need to dial the one. So if you've ever called and left a message and or tried to get a hold of us and not dialed the one and it didn't work, that's why. Got to get that one in there. So it's one six one nine six six three seven three three six, and it is awesome to have been getting more and more voice messages. So thanks everybody. And I've heard a rumor that if you call during the day, it rings through to the store phone, and you have a really stilted, awkward conversation (laughs) with whoever is working at the shop. Does that actually happen? It has. And I'm not good enough at Google Voice Food to figure out why. Huh. Anyway, let's listen to this voicemail here. Hi, guys. It's Dino. How you doing? Uh, the first thing I want to mention, a big surprise in last week's Hunt for Wolverine Adam Antium Agenda Number 4 in X-23 News. Guess what? She doesn't just have the DNA of Logan. She also has the DNA of Sarah Kinney, who was her makeshift mom growing up. So that's like, whoa, as Keanu Reeves would say. <laughs> Uh, anyway, the real reason I'm calling is for your new elevator pitch. Oh, yeah. Are you ready? No. Barely. Said, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. You get to pick a brand new roster for the Fantastic Four. Pick any Marvel characters you want. Ready? Go. I really Roman, like this. You get to pick an all-new roster for the Avengers. And Django, you get to pick an all-new roster for the Justice League. Have fun, guys. Bye. Wait, am I supposed to do Fantastic You're Four? You're doing Fantastic okay, Four. Okay. Dino, I love that you curtail it to each of us in a good way. Yeah. Um, also, I think we need to get Dino on here to talk about our next issue of X-23. Uh, yeah. Patricia. That was an adamantium agenda. That was a big thing that happened. So that's a big deal because that means that she's not Wolverine's clone necessarily. No. Maybe, like maybe she's actually his, his daughter dog. born yeah. from a person. Yeah. Right? Which, or did they clone both of them together? Which I think is a pretty cool thing to do, but that also like undoes like first appearances that people have collected. It undoes a lot of history that people have, I think, valued. I think it's cool that she's a clone. It maybe 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 she's a clone with like like uh, muscle samples from Wolverine and cheek samples from Laura Kinney. Laura Kinney? Laura Linney. So, Roman. Laura Linney, that's an actress. Wait, he gave it to you first, Jeff. Oh, you're right. I think I think we got to respect do, the do Dino have, order. Yeah, do we have to go in the Dino order? I like the Dino order. Okay. So I've got to make a new Fantastic Four roster? Yeah. So you okay. need four people. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess I got to think about what and why I want... So does it have to be a family? Do they have to be the same genders? Fantastic Four. No, I don't think so. Um, all right, just a second. Okay, Django just made me go. Um, I'm making a roster, and there's got to be a time limit because someone's going to have to stop me. Um, what I want is a sweet-ass Fantastic Four punk band. So what I for sure want is Spider-Gwen on the drums because we know she rules the drums. Um, we need some dope-ass... Some dope ass vocals in there. So, um, scream person. Havoc. Havoc. It's not a girl band, but I guess that's okay. (laughs) Um, so Havoc is singing. Spider Gwen's on the drums. Um, Quicksilver's on the guitar because he's just shredding it up like a motherfucker. And somebody's got to be on bass. So I need an anchor. Um, and you know what? I like the idea of it being the juggernaut from, no. Did, was it the Juggernaut who had an arc where he was a good guy, or was that the Rhino? 
I think, it was I think the Rhino had a really famous arc where he was being a good guy. I want him just sort of chunking dumb and slowly <laughs> on the, the bass guitar. <laughs> so Havoc, Spider-Gwen, Quicksilver, and the Juggernaut are are my fantastic fuck yeah punk band. <laughs> Jeff, you've got a really good feeling for what a minute is. Yeah. <laughs> One it's about minute. how long I last in terms of creative <laughs> exploits, Yeah. <laughs> Roman, hey, Roman, yes. give me that Avengers. I can't imagine needing to do more than four. Go. <laughs> more than four. Avengers. Um, my Avengers team, it's going to be monster-themed. Oh, but not just, yeah. Not just any monsters. Here comes fucking Gorgo. Cap- I didn't even think about that one. Captain America is still on the team because, you know, after the events of uh, whatever Hydra invasion, whatever, take over the world, everybody still thinks Cap is does Nazi Cap. So people think of him as a monster. So he's still the leader of the team. But then we got Sasquatch. We got the Hulk. Um, got, I don't know, Werewolf by Night. The Thing, I think, is still there. Thing, Thing, Foom? Well, he's too big. <laughs> I can't hang out they can't, in the they can't, they, they can't fit him inside the, where their headquarters are. Um, uh, we got the Thing on there, I think, still. And him and Cap are kind of going to buddy up to lead this team. Um and they're just exploring what it is to be monsters, to try and be heroes, and yet have everybody like, like, be disgusted at your appearance, think you're a Nazi, think you're awful. I like that. Maybe even the Frankenstein monster will be there. Frankenstein, the monster? Yeah, Marvel's version of the Frankenstein monster. Not DCs, though. Yeah, not DCs. Not that DCs really awesome, cool, and with the swords and stuff, but... And, yeah, they hung out with Damien for a while. Yeah. J- Django, you gotta do a thing. I got, a, I got an idea. What is it? So we got the Justice League, right? Am I supposed to start you? Uh, I don't know. It's up to you. I'm going to go as long as I want, motherfucker. I forget about how sassy he gets when it gets (laughs) close to midnight. So here's the deal. Um, Members of the DC Universe have been shot back through time. And they've all kind of gathered in the 40s. And so the people who are back there decide to start the Justice League. And they, they draw from their current time plus themselves so you've got the justice league which should be seven people right like the seven sure. greek yeah pantheon pantheon uh you've got but but they're they're kind of matchy so you got batman and you got the shadow right mm-hmm. and then you've got martian manhunter who's a shapeshifter and you've got um the avenger who is uh, he can he can mold his face mm. and take on the appearance of other people. This is the most Django pitch I've ever heard. <laughs> and then you've got uh, you got the uh, oh fuck. Uh, shut that off for a second. Okay, I'm, not, yeah, I'm not done. Yeah, I want to hear the rest. I'm of not this. done, baby. <laughs> um, you've got Superman. That and, was very accurate to like. Oh, I'm in it. I'm done. And you're like, I'm not done. <laughs> <laughs> you got uh, Superman and Doc Savage. Okay. Who is a super man, right? Isn't this first wave? Aren't you pitching first wave to me? Uh, <laughs> no. Brian Azarello's got nothing on me. Um, and then we've got Wonder Woman. I feel weird that there's only one woman on the team, uh, but we have the DC Trinity, and then we've got the, uh, like, in the pulp days, there were hardly any women heroes they were sexist right, so now but not they a were lot super to, sexist not a lot then. to draw from well, you there throw the black fury in there i don't know anything about the black fury in fact i thought that she was created recently and put in that universe was she an actual character i think she was okay and maybe she might have even been 
a few months before Wonder Woman. Possibly. There's a female Green Hornet right now. There is. Mm. Well, but so so here's what I'm thinking. When the story starts, you're like, oh yeah, Batman in the Shadow. That's redundant. And you got Martian Manhunter and and the Avenger. That's kind of redundant. You got Superman and. So what I would want the story to do is to highlight the differences between the characters. Mm. Is the spider going to show up? Ooh. Richard Wentworth? Maybe he's a bad guy. Because, yeah, because half the time he was kind of insane. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. You, I mean, you could have the Phantom. You could have the... Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, just bring them all in. Okay, so I take it back. It's not Havoc singing. It's <laughs> fucking Penance on vocals. <laughs> and it's a metal as shit band. And he's just like speedballing in his screamo. In his, in his iron prison freaking out. It's like Man in the Iron Mask, but a little less sexy. Man in the Iron Everything. Exactly. Yeah. I like it. Roman, do you have any changes you need to make? Revisions? Retcons? Um, I don't know. I, I was listening to your guys' stuff. I wasn't thinking about mine anymore. Oh, I'm always thinking about myself. So, Jeff, how did you choose those? I had a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was what I could do. I would I that one I would have liked to have sat and thought about because like my fate like what, a punk band of four Marvel characters. I would love that. I like yeah. Spider Gwen on drums. I mean, you could do it pretty fun with uh, just Spider characters, right? Because like Hobie plays guitar. Meh. Yeah, that's a little close to what uh, was just going on. Literally in a punk band. I yeah. want, yeah, I know. What I want is like a big, dumb bass player who's almost too big to be able to use the dumb, big bass strings of a bass Galactus? guitar. What about Strong Guy? Guido? I thought about him. Galactus is a cool idea. Um, they could only play stadiums. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Galactus could be small. I bet. I don't know. I love the Fantastic Four so much. I'm just like so into those four. There, there have been other substitutions or or wholesale swap outs too, right? Yeah, I know. You told us last week about it. Not just not just that one, but they're haven't they Fantastic Four? Yeah. Oh yeah, the bunch of the covers that they're doing show those right now. Yeah, but wholesale. You mean the entire team? Yeah. Oh, other than the. Ghost Rider, Spider-Man, Hulk, Wolverine one. I don't can't remember if there's by Django. Jesus, I can't remember if there's been a wholesale team change. <laughs> nice Roman. Um, usually it's just one or two of the members, like the hired Luke Cage to replace the thing once. Okay, I farted. Roman said members. Django laughed. We gotta get out of here. This is this is this has gone on too long. I'm sorry to everybody. We'll see you at a hundred. You know, it'll be interesting to see a Fantastic Four team that was Namor and his relatives, like Namorita and his old... Namorita is the name of a Namor relative? Yeah, it's his cousin. She, okay. was, she was in the New Warriors. Okay, okay. So now I'm thinking about what if we could recast actors who have played Fantastic Four characters, but take their other characters and put them in the band. So Human Torch was Michael B. Jordan who was Creed in that Creed movie. Mm -hmm. So I got Creed Mm -hmm. just punching the shit out of the drums. Like, he's killing it back there. Um, Jessica Jessica Alba. Alba. (laughs) (laughs) We'll come back to Jessica. Um, She was in a shark movie, wasn't she? Deep Blue Sea? Yeah. Okay, so she's fighting sharks or something. (laughs) Um, Who was anybody who's played Reed Richards was in Ready Player One. Mm Mm-hmm. So that guy is cracking cybernetic codes. What is that? What's his name? On the keys. Gr- is that Grafood? The Welsh dude that played Reed and 
The first this two is movies? the most recent one. Oh, the most recent? I don't know who that actor is. The Shield guy played the thing. Yeah. In a Chickless? movie. So mm-hmm. he's yeah. our bass player. So we got keyboards, cool. bass, drums. So Sue is on the vocals. But She's screaming at the sharks. Yeah. This might be one of those moments where we add audio content after the outro. <laughs> We've done that? We did that when you recommended it like two weeks ago. Oh, I've never listened to this podcast. What podcast is this? It's a perfect... I forgot. What if we just... What if we, after 100, did rebrand new title, (laughs) same podcast feed? We could do that. I mean, we're not going to confuse that many people at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell them that. (laughs) All your friends are listening. Catch up. Or they'll think you're a witch. I don't. I couldn't follow any of those jokes at the end. I just feel weird now. <laughs> I'm Django. Oh. And none of those farts or masturbating motions were mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jeff, and that was the most genuine laugh I've had all night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Roman. Um, I'm Roman. I love that guy. He always gets the last word. Yeah. Well, Braden often did beforehand. Rutabaga. Rutabaga. Last word. Yeah, Brayden was a good part of the podcast. Brayden. I miss that guy. He's he's building building homes in in, in Brazil. Yeah, he's also building people. a D&D world home right now for yes. a game tomorrow night. I want to play D&D. I'll run a D&D game for you guys. I farted. I did too. I did too. <laughs> 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 that might be the most genuinely I ever lost all night. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Tootcast. <laughs> the Tootcast. <laughs>